right. Good morning, friends. It is great to see you this morning. What a joy to, to welcome you and greet you today as you come to worship and, and listen to God's truth this morning. We are continuing a teaching series called Extraordinary. It's a, it's a teaching on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which covers Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. So if you have a Bible this morning, please take it out. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to jump in there in just a minute. We are transitioning in this series from the Beatitudes, which was sort of a, an introductory uh, to the sermon or a preamble to the sermon, and now we're getting into the meat or the core of the sermon. So let's read together. We're going to begin reading in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Remember, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in this message. He's not speaking to the multitudes. He's not speaking to a mixed audience. He's not speaking to some people in the crowd that are followers of his and some people that are not. It says that Jesus sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, meaning his disciples. So the words that you're about to hear, the words that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago to a small band of disciples gathered around him near the Sea of Galilee, those very same words are being spoken to you right now. They have the same power, the same meaning, the same intent, as, as though you were sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to the Sermon on the Mount. He intends every word of truth to be applied in your life the same way he did these disciples. And in verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it loses its flavor? Can you make it salty again? No, it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand or a table, and it gives light to everyone that's in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for the power of Scripture and Lord, we ask that not only in the reading of the word, but in the teaching of the word, we would gain spiritual understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. So in the Beatitudes, Jesus began to teach us what a disciple is. He's transitioning now, and he's beginning to tell us what a disciple does. What does a disciple of Jesus Christ actually do? And he uses two examples, salt and light. My mom is on a, a low-sodium, low-salt diet, and she complains all the time that her food has no taste. And that's because salt enhances the flavor of food. And Jesus said his disciples are like salt. I had a professor in college uh, that had a severe eye disease. And as he slowly went blind... His world progressively got darker. Soon, his entire world was in complete darkness. Can you imagine living in total darkness? And yet, the Bible says that the world lives in complete spiritual darkness. And in the midst of that, Jesus says to his disciples, not only are you salt, but you're light. What do those two examples of salt and light 
teach us about what it means to be a follower of Christ. That's what we want to talk about for a few minutes today. And I just want to share three things from Jesus' teaching, three important things about Jesus' teaching about salt and light. And the first thing is this. Uh, Jesus didn't say that we could be salt and light. He said we are. He didn't say we could be. That, that if we work hard and if we aspire to this, that one day maybe as a disciple you could enter into that realm of being salt and light. No, he says you are. Verse 13, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Again, speaking to his disciples, you are. Verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. Again, speaking to his disciples, a, a declarative statement, this is, this is your identity, this is who you are. You are the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. Frederick Bruner says that the, the Christian ethic is an ethic of become what you are rather than the, the Greek or the Confucian ethic which says become what you should be. The Christian ethic says become what you, you already are. In other words, I'm not, I'm not trying as a, as a Christian to become salt and light. I am salt and light. When Christ saved me, from sin, he changed me. He made me different. He made me new. I was born again. I was born spiritually from above. And when, when I was saved, he gave me, he imparted to me the properties of salt and light. I have those now. I am salt and light. I'm not, I'm not becoming salt and light. So Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, we are God's workmanship or masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We can do those things because he created us to do them. In other words, who I am determines what I do, not the other way around. What you do does not determine who you are. Who you are, in essence, determines what you do. And we, we never find a greater sense of meaning and purpose and joy in our lives than when we're doing what we, we were created to do. When as Christians we begin to, to walk in what we are, that's when we find the greatest joy in life. The, the reason people don't find meaning and fulfillment in life is because they're not walking according to what God created them to be. But when we walk in what God says we are as his followers, that's when we find the greatest joy. Okay, so this is a, a family worship weekend, so we got littles here with us this morning, and that's awesome, and I need your help. Uh, kids, I need your help this morning. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put some pictures of animals on the screen, and I need you to tell me, what did God create these animals to do? Okay, you can shout it out. It's okay to shout in church. Come on, somebody. All right? So the first one here is the picture of an eagle. What does an eagle do? Oh, you can be louder than that. They fly because God created them with strong wings. So they're able to fly. They're able to soar. They're, they're able to go really high in the sky because of those wings. You know what? It's not hard for an eagle to fly. In fact, it's natural for an eagle to fly. Because when an eagle flies, he's simply doing what God created him or her to do. All right, how about this picture? What does a fish do? They swim, don't they? Because God has created them with fins 
and with gills so they can survive under the water. They, they live in the water. They swim in the water. They don't fly because God didn't create them with wings. Did you know that it's not hard for a fish to swim? In fact, did you know that it's natural for a fish to swim? Eagles don't swim. Eagles don't have gills and fins. They weren't created to swim, but God uniquely created fish in a way that they can swim. All right, what about this animal? The kangaroo, what do they do? They hop, they jump, they hop, don't they? I wish I had the kangaroo's hops when I played basketball. Kangaroos don't fly because they don't have wings. Kangaroos don't swim because they don't have fins and they don't have gills. But kangaroos can hop really high because God created them with really big feet so they can't run very fast, but with their stretchy tendons in their hind legs, they can jump really high and really far. Did you know it's not hard for the kangaroo to hop? In fact, it's natural for the kangaroo to hop. Fish don't hop, eagles don't hop, because they weren't created to do that. So when a, when a kangaroo hops, you know what he's doing? He's just doing what God created him or her to do, right? So the question is, what has God created Christians to do? Who are you, and what has God uniquely created you to do? And that leads us to point number two which is Jesus commissions every disciple to change their world for Christ. Jesus commissions every disciple to change their world for Christ. Why does Jesus use the two examples of salt and light when he's talking about what a disciple is? Because salt and light are change agents. They change the things around them. And God has called us as Christians, as salt and light, to change the world around us. And the first thing I want to say is that salt changes what we taste. Salt changes what I taste. Now, there's a lot of different uses for salt, even in Jesus' time. Salt was used as a, a food preservative because salt on food draws the moisture out of food. And bacteria needs moisture in order to survive. So by drawing the moisture out of food, it prolongs the life of the food. It doesn't rot as quickly because it removes the moisture. It also was used as, as a disinfectant or a sanitizer. It could be placed on a wound. And, and in the same way that it draws moisture out of food, it draws moisture out of tissue or skin so that bacteria can't survive. So it serves as a healing agent. But the most common use of salt is as a seasoning. Salt makes food taste better. And so here's how salt works I, in terms of taste. I didn't, I didn't understand this. I did a little bit of study. And, and salt doesn't actually change the food that it gets sprinkled on. What salt does is it changes our perception of the food. See, we have what's called taste receptors, a ton of taste receptors in every taste bud in our mouth. Every taste bud has these taste receptors. And when, when our taste receptors taste the salt in food, it immediately sends a message to our brain. Either like, whoa, that was good, or ew, gross. It sends this message based on the, the taste that it receives 
from the food and the, 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 the right or wrong amount of salt in the food because salt enhances the flavor of things. And Christians, as salt, are, are supposed to enhance the flavor of life for those around them. How do we do that? Well, Jesus already told us in the Beatitudes who we are in terms of our character. And so when we live that out, when we live in a humble way, when we extend mercy, when we are pure in heart, when we are peacemakers, when we bless those who curse us, when we love our enemies, when we pray for those who mistreat us, it's like salt being sprinkled on the lives of people around us. And it begins to send a message to their brain. A message like, wow, that's a good life. Wow, I, I'd like more of that. Like, like, like eating a bag of jalapeno Cheetos. Have you ever had those? Like you can't eat one or two of those things. I want to eat the whole bag. Because when I eat jalapeno Cheetos, man, my taste receptor, they're sending a message to my brain. This rocks. Eat more. And your life, as you live according to the character of Christ, is supposed to enhance the taste, the spiritual taste of people's lives. And it should be sending a message to their brain going, that's what I want. I want more of that. Well, salt changes what I taste and light changes what I see. Light changes what I see. Because light helps us to see things more clearly or to see things better. Like when you're in a really nice restaurant that, that's dark and dim because it's romantic. And you take out, you get the, the menu and you have to pull your phone out and turn the light on so you can read the menu. Like maybe that's just an old people thing. I'm finding myself trying to read a menu more and more the older I get. But light helps us to see things more clearly, more accurately, or in a better way. So Jesus said in verse 16, he said, let your light shine in such a way that they may see your good works. Who are they? They are the people around you. They may see your good works. What are the good works? It's the character of Christ and the actions of Christ. When you begin to live who you are, let your light shine in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, when we, when we begin to reflect the character of Jesus in our life, when, when we begin to live according to who Christ says we are and what extraordinary character is, it begins to shed light on what Jesus is really like. Did you know that? Did you know that your life is supposed to bring light to who Jesus is? By, by the way you speak to people, by, by the way you act? your character, all of that is supposed to reflect Christ. So as you, as you walk in your world, you are to bring light into people's lives to help them understand who Christ is. And when you do that well, people may not say this directly to you. They, they may say it in their heart, but, but what they're saying is, I want your peace. I want your joy. I want your faith. I want your trust. I want your love. I, I want those things in my life. When you, like light, begin to reflect who Christ is to them, they begin to desire that kind of life because God has called you to reflect who He is in the world. 
Every morning when a disciple of Jesus rolls out of bed, they are infused with divine purpose to change the world for Christ. What do Christians do? We change the world for Christ. We've been given a mandate. When Jesus spoke these words 2,000 years ago, he was commissioning every disciple to be a Christian missionary, everyone. Jesus didn't say, some of you are salt and light. He didn't say, most of you are salt and light. He didn't even say, the most mature Christians among you are salt and light. No, he said, everyone, every Christ follower is salt and light. That's that's who you are. Are you living that? Jesus commissioned you, just like we commissioned Kendra this morning. Jesus has commissioned every disciple to go into the world as salt and light and to see God change it. Who I am determines what I do. And if you wake up every morning and say to yourself, like Jesus did, I'm the salt of the earth, I'm the light of the world, I'm commissioned by Christ to be an agent of change, your day will go different than normal. Because you're going to recognize you've been infused with a divine purpose from God. And so Jesus in John chapter 17 said this. He said, Father, in the same way that you sent me into the world, so I'm sending my disciples into the world. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them, every one of them, I'm sending them. What did the Father send Jesus into the world to do? Change it. To die on the cross and save it. To give it hope. To give it life. To make it different. And Jesus says, in the same way that you sent me into the world, with the same purpose, so I'm sending them. Have you embraced the purpose of God for your life? I know you wake up every morning and you've got all kinds of things you've got to do and you've got major purposes in life, but you also consider who you are, what your identity is in Christ. You are salt and you are light. And the third thing that, that Jesus does is Jesus determines both our table and our food. Jesus determines both our table and our food. Let's read a couple of verses here and back in the text. You are the salt, not somewhere in the atmosphere. You're the salt in the earth with people. There are actually people that you are salt to. And then he says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a table and it gives light to all who are in the house. There is a specific table that God has chosen to set you on, which is called your oikos, your relational world. God has supernaturally and strategically placed relationships in your life for you to be light to. He determined the table. He also determined the the plate of food on which your life is being sprinkled. He determines that. He brings people into our lives supernaturally and strategically so that we can be salt and light to them. There's a great story in in Mark chapter 5 about this. Jesus and his disciples had sailed from one end of the Sea of Galilee across the sea to the other. And when they get out of the boat on the other side, when they step onto the beach, they are confronted by a severely demon-possessed man. We know the man was severely demon-possessed because this is the story when Jesus cast the demons into a herd of swine. 
And it says that there were at least 2,000 swine. And when the demons came into the swine, they ran over a cliff and died. So there was at least 2,000 demons inside of this man. The man runs up to Jesus. The demons are controlling him. And Jesus drives every demon out. He turns his life from darkness to light. He turns it from the rulership of Satan to the rulership of God. He gives the man life. He saves him. And the man is just so thankful and grateful and obligated to Jesus for for changing his life that he simply wants to follow Jesus back to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, back to Capernaum so he can be with Jesus. And we pick up the story in verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat to go back, the man who had been demon-possessed begged Jesus to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he's been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what the man said. Verse 19 is a, is a really interesting verse. It's, it's, it's awkward in English as we read it in the Greek text. In the Greek text, it reads like this. Go to the, definite article, the your oikos. That's how it reads in the Greek. Go, we wouldn't say it that way. Go to the, definite article, the your oikos. Jesus is saying there is a specific oikos that you are to go to. And then he adds to that your own people. Your people, the people you belong to, the the people that belong to you. In fact, the people that you've been assigned by God. What is your oikos? It's your relational world that God has set up, but it's the people that, that, that you have been assigned by God to be salt and light to because Jesus determines both the table and the plate upon which your life shines and exalts Jesus. Who are those people in your world? Can you identify the people upon which Jesus said you're to shine the light of Christ? You're to be sprinkled onto their lives to enhance the flavor of life for them. You're to influence them. You're to be a change agent. Who is that group of people? Jesus ends this section by talking about saltless salt and hidden light. Saltless salt and hidden light. Let's read what he says. What good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Another version says if if it loses its saltiness, can you make it salty again? No. It's going to be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Jesus is using what's called illogical comparison. Illogical comparison. In other words, these things don't make sense. Salt in its true property doesn't lose its saltiness. It it remains salt as a chemical compound. It doesn't lose that quality. Jesus Jesus is saying for salt to not be, be salty anymore, that's illogical, that doesn't make sense. And nobody would light a candle or a lamp if they wanted it to be the purpose of light and then hide it. That's illogical. If it's nighttime and you light a candle, you set it on the table so that it gives light to everyone in the house. It's illogical 
to think that salt could become unsalty or to think that someone would ever light a lamp and then hide it. And it's just as illogical for you to be a follower of Jesus Christ and not be a world changer. Not to be salt and not to be light. That, that doesn't make sense. It's, it's illogical that you would not influence because of Christ in you and the purpose of God in your life. Be, because Jesus doesn't light you up and then set you in a cupboard and close the door. Nor does Jesus say that you are salt and keep you in the salt shaker. No, he spreads you out among the people that he set in your relational world. You are salt and you are light. It's illogical. It's almost uh, without understanding that someone could say, yes, I'm a Christian, but I'm not salt and light. Yes, I'm a Christian, but I don't change the world in which I live. Yes, I'm a Christian, but I don't, I don't live according to the character of Jesus. I don't, I don't live like Jesus did. I don't have an impact on the people around. That's illogical to think that. That's what Jesus is saying. So Jesus says to you this morning, as a follower and disciple of Christ, you are salt and light. And I have set you on a specific table because I want you to shine who I am to those in your world. How are you doing with that? Does that drive your life? I mean, we've got so many things in life we have to do, so many purposes that we wake up with, so many responsibilities. What about the simple responsibility of yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit's leadership Bearing the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ, and allowing Jesus to influence the lives around you. I'd rather be that, that salt that sends a message to people's brains going, whoa, that's pretty good. That's a good cupcake. That's a good steak. Instead of, ew, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want anything to do with that attitude. I don't want anything to do with that character. And if, that is what's Christ, if that's what Christ is like, no thanks. Friends, we have a responsibility to live differently. No, we have a responsibility by the Holy Spirit's power to live extraordinarily. Would you stand with me this morning? Just bow your heads, maybe lift your hands if you're comfortable doing that. And Lord, we, we receive this morning the, the commissioning. We receive this morning the identity of salt and light. To reflect the light of Christ's character into the lives of those around us. To, to allow you to work through us in a way that brings glory to Christ in what we say, in what we do. To, to really live out those beatitudes. Lord, help us to wake up every morning and say to ourselves, I am the light of Christ, the light of the world. I am the salt of the earth, and I have a divine purpose to be an agent of change. Help us to walk that out in Christ's name. Everybody said amen, amen. Listen, as you leave this morning, a couple of things. One, if you need prayer, there's going to be folks up here to pray with any need that you have. Second thing is, this is a weekend we're receiving a benevolent offering at the doors. This money just goes to help people in our church and outside of our church that just need some help. And many of you are so blessed and so affluent 
that, that, that whatever generosity you can give today to help somebody else, that would be greatly appreciated. No pressure. Allow the Lord to lead you. Be salt, be light, change the world around you. Have a great week. God bless you.